Well, uh, good to be together on this day. I'm thankful for holidays. We need things that remind us of things that happened in the past that still have an effect on us today. So like in our family, for example, uh, we celebrate every year in the month of September the birth of our oldest child. She was born in September of 2006, and so we celebrate that day every year because that was a day when that, our lives were profoundly changed. We do this as a nation. We have a celebration as a nation every year in the beginning of July because it was in July of 1776 that our Declaration of Independence was adopted, and so we as a nation, celebrate something that happened in the the past that still affects even how we live life in this land today. And the church, the church gathers, not just on one Sunday every year, but we gather as the church every single week on Sunday. And we've been doing this for hundreds of years now because we are remembering an event that really happened in the past the resurrection of Jesus from the dead on a Sunday morning, and because we remember that and because we know that that has a profound impact on our lives today, not just our lives today, but will have a profound impact on what happens when we die and how we spend all of eternity, we are people that gladly gather together every single Sunday. Today we're going to look at how the historic event of the resurrection of Jesus impacts all of us. And we get to see an illustration of this in baptism later in the service. So that's what's happening today. Today, Pastor Nick read one of the resurrection accounts from the gospel according to Luke. We're actually going to look at a passage that highlights more the reality of the resurrection, but its impact on us today. So if you have a Bible with you, turn to Romans chapter 6. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can look up on the screen as it will be up there as well. We're going to look today at verses 1 through 5. And our custom here, as the Word of God is read, uh, that we stand. And so if you're able to, would you stand? I'm going to pray and then read the Word. Father, (laughs) may the meditations of our hearts, the words of my mouth, be pleasing in your sight. You are our Lord, who is our rock, who is our Redeemer, and so I pray that you would work by your Holy Spirit to accomplish your purposes in all those who are gathered here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, this is God's Word. What shall we say, then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Amen. You can be seated. So that's the good news we're looking at today, but I recognize this. 
So our custom as a church, we walk through books of the Bible verse by verse. Uh, We're not doing that today. We're looking at this passage, but we're dropping in uh, in the middle of a book towards the end of the Bible, and I just want to make sure we have the big picture set because it's going to help everything in here, I think, make a little more sense today. Okay, So big picture, a little bit of time uh, to share the big picture and give us some context. There was a, a historical event, I already mentioned it earlier uh, as I was praying, but we have a God who has eternally existed, who made everything. Everything that exists, made by God. Soon after his creation, all of his creation he deemed good. Soon after his creation, Adam and Eve in the garden sinned. That's another real historical event. Now, as God made humanity, they became the pinnacle. They were made uniquely in God's image. So they're image bearers, but also sinners. Another historical event took place, which is part of what we remember here today. I'll get back to that here in a moment. But another historical event for all of us, every single person, one thing we have in common here today is we were born at some time. Another thing we have in common, all of us who are gathered here today, is that we were born with incredible value because we, all of us, made in the image of God. But another thing, all of us, remember, we're all sorts of different ages from all sorts of different backgrounds. Every single one of us, we're image bearers and we are sinners. Because of Adam's sin, we are all, like the default for all of us is we're born united with Adam. Yes, as image bearers, but also as sinners. So, So this is just big picture. And as such, because we're united with Adam, because that's how we come into the world, we are born to live our life under the power of sin, and after death we will face the penalty of sin, living forever in the presence of sin and enduring punishment for it. That's the default for every single person. Like, unless something different happens, that's the default. Does that make sense? Right? Like when you turn on your computer and you start typing, there's like a default font, right? So this is going to be the thing, and, and unless something changes it. This is, this is the default for all of us. But praise God, there is something that happened and can happen in our own lives that can change everything. Because of another historical event, because Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, was born... And because he lived a sinless life, and because he died in the place of sinners, and because he was raised from the dead, we, who are born again through faith in Jesus, that is, those of you, those of us who recognize, I am a sinner before a holy God, and what Christ has accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection is my only hope to live this life not under the power of sin, to not face the penalty of sin, and to not live forever in the presence of sin. My only hope is Jesus. And so, default for everybody, united with Adam, those who by God's grace through faith in Jesus are united with Christ can live a different kind of life, right? Live a different kind of life, face a different kind of death, and live eternally in a much different way than everybody else. So, Uh, that's just big picture that I think, I hope, will help us understand Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 5 a little bit better. So, Paul is writing the the book, the letter of Romans, to a group of people who had already heard this good news, who had already heard the gospel. They trust in Jesus as 
Lord and Savior. They know they've been completely forgiven and freed of their sin. And Paul, though he hasn't yet visited Rome and doesn't know all these people personally, Paul knows humans. And so he knows that as he tells them, you are forgiven and freed completely forever. That some of them might be tempted to think, sweet, then I can just do whatever I want? Like now, like if, if my sin makes God's grace look great, and sin is sometimes fun, how about I just like go sin and just enjoy it? And so Paul writes this portion of Romans saying this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And then he says, by no means. And then he's got this interesting phrase. How can we who died to sin still live in it? What does he mean that we have died to sin? There there are those, he says, not everybody, but there are those who have died to sin. What does it mean to die to sin? Now, it doesn't mean, it does not mean that we will never sin again, that we will never be tempted to sin again. It can't mean that, because we know that's not true. It just means that sin no longer reigns and rules. Sin no longer has ultimate control over us. So let's say you were a slave in the United States of America in the year 1800. How is it that you can have hope that you will be released from slavery. You living your life under the cruel oppression of a harsh master. That's all you know in life. In the year 1800, the Emancipation Proclamation is, is too far off. You know that if you try to escape from slavery on your own, there's a good chance you'll get caught and punished uh, immensely for that. One surefire way to no longer live under the harsh rule of your master would be to die. A master has no power over a slave who has died. That's the point that Paul is making here. When he says, how can we who have died to sin still live in it? We are born slaves to sin, but when you repent of your sin and trust in Christ, it's like you are now dead to sin. Dead to sin's ruling power. It no longer has power over you because Christ has been raised from the dead. Our sin has been nailed to the cross with Christ. Right? We just sing, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. No longer does sin have power over us. We have died to sin. That's what Paul is getting at here. You might say, well, yeah, but I, have, I haven't died yet. Right? I mean, we're sitting here, we're breathing here. But if you've been united with Christ by faith, you have died. How? Let's look at verses 3 through 5 that explain that in more detail. I'm thankful uh, that when things are hard to understand, what I try to do when I'm communicating with people, if things are hard to understand, I try to use an illustration, like a, a picture that people are like, oh, I can understand that. I can see that. And that helps me understand this hard to understand concept. So this concept of being united with Christ, of being put to death with him and being raised to new life with him, that can be a hard concept to understand. But by God's grace, he's given to the church a beautiful gift that is a picture that helps us to see the reality of this concept. And what is that picture? That picture is baptism. So we're going to hear baptism referred to a lot in these verses 3 through 5 here. 
Last week we talked about various kinds of baptism at various times in history, but here Paul is using the kind of baptism that the church practiced in the book of Acts and the kind of baptism that we're going to witness here today. It's baptism that is a response of obedience to God's command that all who have been saved by Him should be baptized, to publicly identify with Christ through baptism. Baptism just meant immersion. So immersion in water is this picture of being united with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. All right? So baptism is the illustration, it's the picture, it's the symbol that helps us to see the reality. Verse 3. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Now the assumption was, because the regular practice at this time in the life of the church was all, that, all those who repented of their sin and trusted in Christ were baptized, right? So, so they, they, they're repenting of their sin, they're trusting in Christ, and they get baptized. And he says, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. So, here's, here's a picture. In baptism, the picture is those united to Christ in death have a picture of that in baptism, Our baptism is a picture of our union with Jesus in His death. He died in our place for our sins and we're justified by faith in Him. And when we trust in Christ, it's like our old self, the old us, is put to death. Galatians 2.20 puts it this way. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So, There was a historical event, we came together on Friday to remember this, that Christ died for our sins on the cross. The impact of that event on our lives is we don't continue in a life of sin because our old self has died. We don't pay the penalty for our sin because Christ has paid the penalty for us. Those are the realities we came together on Friday to celebrate. Our old self has died. We're united with Christ in His death. And in baptism, the way that that gets pictured is that in baptism, the the body goes entirely under the water. Right? That's the picture we have in baptism of uniting to Christ in His death. Let's go on to verse 4. Because we're also going to see we are united to Christ in burial as pictured in baptism. So verse 4 says... We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death. We were buried. So so we ended the service on Friday, if you were here. You heard us end the service, just as Pastor Nick at the beginning of the service read about the crucifixion on Friday. We ended on Friday reading, not about the crucifixion, but about the burial of Jesus. Put in a tomb, stone rolled in front of it, guards placed in front of it. The historical event was that Jesus was actually dead, and so he was actually buried in a tomb. The impact on us is that our old self has actually been put to death, so we don't keep living it. It's buried. And in baptism, the picture is of being put fully under the water. Now, people have commented before that our baptism tank looks a little bit like a coffin. Uh, 
And that sounds a little bit creepy, but it's also kind of fitting. Because in a sense, in baptism, we are showing a union with Christ in His death and in His burial and in His resurrection. And so the the people being baptized will, will go completely under, be immersed in the water, come back up from it, and then come back down. Right? And that's the last part. United to Christ in resurrection as pictured in baptism. Look at the rest of verse 4 and into verse 5. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead. So here's a historical event. Christ was raised from the dead. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Historical event, what we're here to celebrate today, Jesus was raised from the dead. Impact on us today so that we might walk in newness of life. Saved people don't continue to love living a life of sin. We're now living a life united with Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells in us and we joyfully obey God's commands for our good, for the good of people around us, and for the glory of God. And the picture we have in baptism is that we don't stay under the water. (laughs) Lydia, Abby, and Annika, uh, who are being baptized today, are going to be happy to hear that, right? Like, we will put you completely under the water, but we will pull you back up as well, right? Because we're showing this picture of being identified with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection, We won't do three days uh, underneath. We won't raise you back up on the third day. We'll do about three seconds or so, uh, maybe, that you'll be under the water, and then you will be pulled back up just as Jesus was raised from the dead. In fact, as we do the baptisms, the words that Pastor Nick and I will say will be buried in the likeness of His death and raised in the likeness of His resurrection. That comes right from verse 5 right here. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Right? Just as Christ was raised from the dead. So, that's the picture that's coming there. When, when, uh, when they come up out of the water then, this is, this is the picture. So this has already happened in all three of their lives. There, there's nothing magical happening as they're being baptized. This has already happened. They've been raised to new life with Christ. But baptism is this beautiful picture of this. And so as they come up, we're celebrating with them just as Christ was raised from the dead. He took three dead sinners and gave them new life. And so it will be appropriate as they come up out of the water that we, we respond with hallelujahs and hand claps for saving work that God has done in the lives of these three people that we get to see in baptism. Okay, so trying to understand Romans 6, 1 through 5, I want us to understand how it applies to us. Uh, let me, let me kind of give two application points to two different groups of people. I want to talk to those who are not yet united with Jesus. Remember, the default position, yep, that's up there again. Our default position is, we're united with Adam, right? So, so that's what we're born into. I've used this example before, but uh, my wife Kirsten was born into the name, it was spelled B-U-L-T-H-U-I-S. 
and nobody could ever pronounce it right. So it got mispronounced all the time. Boltice is how you pronounced it, right? That was what she was born into, and even though that wasn't the name that she desired, she couldn't change it, right? She was just born into it. Uh, Boltice is how it was said, and pronounced correctly by some other Dutch people that lived around her, but most other people did not pronounce it that way. But it, try as she might, she couldn't get her name changed until we got married. The two became one, and she takes on a new identity, right? And so we've been united together in marriage, and she takes on the name Nelson, which most people can pronounce uh, and sometimes ask only, is it an O or an E at the end, right? That, that's the only question that we typically get asked. Similarly, every one of us, from the moment of conception, are incredibly valuable and made in God's image, but we're born into sin. And try as we might, even though we might desire not to be ruled over by sin, that is our default position, and unless we are united to another one, we cannot experience a new identity. So the reality for all of us, again, is that we naturally live our lives under the power of sin. Upon our death, we will face the penalty for sin, and we will live forever in the presence of sin, paying eternal punishment for our sin. That's our default. And trying harder to be better won't cut it. And you need to know, if that's you here today, that your only hope isn't try a little bit harder this year, to be a little bit better than you were last time, but instead to know this. To know that the only solution is to be born again and be united to Christ by faith. So today, if you are one who is not yet united with Jesus, would you acknowledge before God that you are a sinner who has been living life with sin as your master and who deserves to pay the penalty for your sin? but also that you have heard the good news and you now believe the good news that Jesus has paid the penalty for you, that you might be freed and forgiven forever from the power of sin and live with Him for all of eternity, free from even the presence of sin. This is what has been accomplished for you and it is a gift to be received by faith. I encourage you to do that today. Be united to Christ and walk with Him in newness of life. And then finally, application for those of us who have been united with Christ. Three quick points. One, we are to walk in newness of life. If you're united to Christ by faith, you are no longer under the power of sin. Sin is not your ruler. Sin is not your master. And like he asks here, how can we who have died to sin still live in it? And so we can now, in Christ... Because we're no longer under the power of sin, we can put away greed, we can flee sexual immorality, we can put away sinful anger, we can stop hurting others with our sharp, slandering, gossiping, grumbling tongues, right? We can do that because of what Christ has done. Sin's curse has lost its grip on me. And we can instead put on compassion, kindness, humility, patience, love. Those are things that we can now put on because of what Christ has done. So we are to walk in newness of life. Secondly, be baptized. We have three people who are going to be baptized today. We're going to be doing another baptism not long from now. There was people who desired to get baptized who couldn't be here with us this morning. So we're going to be doing another one. Come and talk to me about it. Now, I always need to note, because people come from different backgrounds, you're going to see how we do baptism here. 
here in a moment. But I always need to note that some people come from a background that has this connection between salvation and baptism that isn't biblical, okay, that isn't right. There are, there are those churches that would teach that you are saved by baptism. And we don't believe that to be true. Right? We believe you are saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and baptism is a picture of that. By being baptized, whether, whether, whether you called baptism somebody sprinkling water on your head as an infant or your body was immersed, that cannot save you. Right? And the illustration I've used before, which I will use again because it seems to, to make sense and be helpful to people, is this. So I, this is, this is a minute, it's been used a bit. This is my Minnesota Twins baseball hat. I have, for a long time, been a Minnesota Twins fan. I sometimes laugh at other people that do this, but I catch myself doing it sometimes. I so identify with the Minnesota Twins that I sometimes say, we won. Or I would say, like, right now, we are 6-2 and two to start the season. I'm not really, but, like, but, but I identify with them. And so that's the reason I wear the hat. I bought this hat and I wear the hat not to make me a Twins fan, but because I do already identify with the Twins, and that's why I wear the hat. So the example that I've used before with this is Steve and Randy Smuck. Some of you know them. So Steve has been battling ALS, and so I I go every once in a while to their house to visit. They're here with us today, so grateful that they could. I made a mistake. The, the, The last time I visited them, it was opening day of the baseball season, and the Twins were playing their Kansas City Royals. I get to their house, and and. And Randy is dressed in a Kansas City Royals t-shirt to identify herself as a Kansas City Royals fan. Steve, he is all out. I get to their house. Steve's got on Royals pants with a Royals shirt, and the pants are held up by Royals suspenders. Okay? So he is decked out for opening day, identifying himself as a Kansas City Royals fan. Now, if I would have come in there, I didn't wear any Twins gear that day. I didn't want to offend, right? But if I would have come in there with my Twins hat and I would have put that on top of Steve's head, would that have made Steve identify with the the Minnesota Twins? No, right? He'd probably take it off and throw it away because that's not his identity. His identity, he's tied in with the Royals and me putting something on him is not going to make him something that he's not, right? Right? In the same way, being baptized does not make you something that you are not. Being baptized is a picture that God has already made you something that you are not. And you are simply publicly identifying, putting on the hat and saying in front of a lot of people here today that I'm with Jesus. I have been united with Christ in His death, in His burial, in His resurrection. I am living a new kind of life now, and I will live forever with Him in eternity. That is a beautiful picture, and if you as a believer have not been baptized, talk to me and let's do it. You'll notice that those being baptized today are all young people. You don't need to be a young people. You can be an old people and be baptized as well. And then finally, I would just say this. Celebrate and walk with those being baptized today. All three of them are people who God has saved by grace. They trust in Jesus. You're going to hear that in a bit of their testimony. But know this, these are young people and following Jesus in today's world, walking in a different kind of life, that is hard because it means going against the grain. 
And these young ladies are doing something courageous to stand in front of you and publicly identify with Jesus. And I hope that we are encouraging to them. Like when they get out of the water and we, you know, give hallelujahs and hand claps and maybe hoots and hollers or whatever you feel like doing. But also, as we walk with them, as their parents, right? as their grandparents, as Sunday school teachers, as their youth group leaders, as fellow church members, love them and talk to them about Jesus. They need us and we need them. Praise God that this historical event that really happened almost 2,000 years ago continues to have an impact on real lives today. Before we get to see this picture of it, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you that you sent your Son to live the perfectly sinless life that all of us have failed to live. I pray that today you would save and give eternal life to those who came in here spiritually dead, but have been stirred on this day by your Spirit to repent of their sins and trust in Jesus. And for those of us who have been saved, who have been united with Christ, would you remind us of our new identity in Christ? Would you help us to walk in newness of life? Would you help us to publicly identify with Jesus in bold and courageous ways? Would you stir up some who are believers to talk to me about being baptized soon? And would you prepare us now to celebrate and commit to walking alongside these three who are about to be baptized? Thank you, Father, for raising Jesus from the dead. And thank you for the present day impact that that historical event has on us. In Jesus' name, amen.